Okay, good evening, everybody. Uh, this is the Malt Travail podcast, episode eight. Uh, we are recording this on the 11th of March, uh, Thursday night, so hopefully it will be out on the airwaves uh, by Friday the 12th, if possible. Uh, evening, gents. We thought we'd just start for those on the YouTube, on the video channel. We thought somebody mentioned this week would be nice to see our faces rather than little little video clips that you get. So we're going to start off with our lovely faces, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of crack on. So uh, how are we, gents? Thank okay. you. Good. Good, good. So, well, I've already made my confession that, uh, unfortunately, this week I'm going to be drinking, well, I think it's quite a nice idea, I'm going to drink some AF. So I've got a, a Brutog Punk AF, alcohol-free, and I've also got, quite interesting, this, a, a Rat House Hefeweizen, but an alcohol-free one as well. And if I was saying to Nick, Nick, um, Nick was coming to Christmas with uh, down to Staffordshire with my mum and dad, and, of course, we'd planned, if I'd actually bought, and we got, I got a... A mini keg of Titanic plum porter, which was very good. And so that was the plan. And then obviously last minute we got told, fortunately, you can't come for a couple of days. You can't come for a day. So Nick has designated driver, um, uh, offered to drive mum and dad down to, so we'd have Christmas together. But of course, then he couldn't drink. So I tried to quickly order, mm. I think, honest brew with somebody, uh, a whole, well, not correct, a small selection of alcohol free. And unfortunately, they arrived in about Boxing Day. So Nick didn't quite get them. I had to nip out. I think Nick could get you some ghost ship, uh, those low alcohol ghost ships, I think, in the end, wasn't it? And a couple of brew dogs. I think I took some down as well, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Brought me so, on. Bring me on. So the reason why I'm doing that is I got a phone call this afternoon from my GP saying, do I want, do I want this vaccine thing tomorrow? So they said that. Do you want this vaccine? I said, what do you mean? Do you want the COVID one? Yeah, I said, I think probably I do, yeah. When, when can I have it? She goes, tomorrow. Can you come tomorrow? So I'm having my vaccine done tomorrow. So just play things safe. I'm just going to keep off the yell tonight. I've also got a blood test first in the morning as well to for my pre, pre-diabetes check. So I'm, uh, I'm going to keep it safe hopefully nick you're no no doubt having a beer tonight yeah gone back to yorkshire so first one is fine fettle our friends over at great newsome on the holderness plain and then the next one we're going across to leeds then we covered uh, leeds last week so i've got some kirkstall brewery three swords mm-hmm. now you often see that on um electric pump in the in the pubs i don't see that too much on hand pump uh, it sometimes can be a little bit cloudy as well, but I'm looking forward to that one. That's a, that's a 4.5 percenter. So that's me two Yorkshire beers tonight. And that's a nice leak because that's one of the breweries we mentioned last week, was it, when we did our Leeds trip? Uh, and, uh, uh, Kirk, not Kirkdale, Kirkstall. Kirkstall, um, yeah. I, don't, I think they're, they're quite close to the Abbey, aren't they, down on that kind of west side of Leeds. Um, and again, there's a train stop there now as well. Yeah, all yeah. right, good stuff. So, Bruce is still not drinking. He's still... Uh, <laughs> Recovering. I tried, the I tried a bottle of beer on uh, Saturday night, but it was like a, a huge explosion of quite sour hops. I've tried a whiskey, uh, which tasted bizarrely. As if I leave a glass of whiskey overnight uh, and they have it the following morning, it tastes distinctly uh, stale. Whiskey tastes like that, and wine just tastes like rotting fruit. So, sadly, yeah. no further along. Yeah. Looks, looks like you've moved house as well, Bruce. It looks like you're in a student squat. I am in Ben's bedroom, which is it's like a squat anyway, but unfortunately it's waiting to be a, we're waiting for the plaster to come to decorate. So yeah, it's, it's like quite squalid in Israel, yeah. <laughs> crack then, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Nick's coming live again from the cellar bar. Uh, up I in am, Norton. yes. Yeah, um, it's, been, it's been windy today. It's probably the safest place in North York at the moment, <laughs> down below the uh, ground level. So we're, yeah, uh, um, yeah. 
We I saw rode by the Minster this morning on my bike, and as I turned from by the uh, Dinko Hotel, uh, by the side of the Minster there, it was just, it literally knocked me sideways off my bike. I mean, I'm, you know, not the slightest yeah, person in the world. Quite it was insane, the way it funnels the wind down there. Uh, now, Nick, we're still waiting for the Grand Tour, Nick. You have promised us a Grand Tour on the cellar. I think you, you, you excused last time was it was a bit cold or something, so we'll, we'll have to we'll No, have to it, it's, sure still, we... it's, it's still the technical. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a tour next week, because right. as I say, I've still got... Three extension leads, uh, power lead, and a headphone socket plugged in. So I didn't and, want to start uh, moving stuff around. We're going to be talking about logos and labels, and I can clearly see the background there. We've got a bit of Adnum, we've got a bit of Guinness, we've got the Tetley's Huntsman, we've got a, uh, is that a, not a Roses? Is that a, no, that's uh, uh, Russell's and Rangums. Russell's and Rangums. Malton. And, and then quite a few beer. Are there Guinness glasses up there as well? Or a uh, very selection, yeah. And stuff. So yeah, if you are listening on the podcast, probably this week, you know that we do this as a kind of dual thing. We're doing it through Zoom, so we do a video, and we have kind of a, a presentation running with pictures and things. Uh, and this week probably is a good one if you've not had a chance yet to look for the YouTube channel, uh, Malt Travail, um, and see the video bit as well, because we are going to be talking a little bit about it. But we just thought we'd do something different this week. Um, and Nick, Nick uh, give me a rest. So Nick's kind of put most of this together. Um, just, we've, we've talked about kind of branding and labels and logos and things. So we can do that uh, this week. So that is the plan. So I'm going to go and share the screen now so that we can hopefully crack on with this. So uh, I think it's that one. Yep. And we'll just do our normal kind of roundup of the various bits and pieces that uh, we've been kind of doing this week. Just pick up from last week, just very quickly, uh, just some clarifications. Actually, we covered most of them, I think, in the actual podcast, but we were a bit stuck. I mentioned that Leeds is the fourth largest student population uh, in the UK, and we got a bit stuck remembering all the universities. So it is the University of Leeds, uh, Leeds Beckett, which used to be Leeds Metropolitan University, Leeds Trinity, which is a Catholic University, Leeds Art University, which I think I mentioned, and I did mention, I thought it would be, uh, Leeds Colleges are, are all one big kind of group now, and they have a university centre as well. So those are the five unis. Uh, Bruce kind of put me on the spot, asked me when Marks and Spencers first opened in the Kirkgate market, and it was, 80, and we were fairly close, 1884. The pub we did get to it there, and the one that's by the Minster, so if you're going from kind of the Duck and Drake towards the Adelphi, about halfway is the Palace, uh, and we mentioned that's right next to the, the Leeds Minster. Uh, and a quick look at there today, it used to be a Nicholson's pub, which are uh, Michelin Butler's um, off arm, whatever they call themselves. It's still a Michelin Butcher's. It was called um, Oak Tree Pub, which I've not heard about before. But anyway, maybe that's a new arm that they've got. Seems to have got a specialised in craft beer now, though. Rather, didn't mention any any cask running in the wooden at the moment, but um, the website was more banging about craft beer, so... Again, and I think, Nick, you mentioned maybe last time you were in there, there was a probably distinct like a cask and you guys had Guinness or something. I remember we ended up buying Guinness, so maybe that, that was the reason that, uh, yeah. yeah, there wasn't any real ale on us. Well, all just, traditional real ale. Just interesting, again, I think I mentioned last week uh, the Melbourne brew, which I don't know a lot about, actually. The, uh, I mentioned that the Templar in Leeds, which is on one of the main kind of city centre streets, has got a all very old Melbourne ales uh, outside the front of it. And I did a bit of digging... Uh, Melbourne Brewery was based in Leeds. It was actually originally the Leeds and Wakefield Brewery, which was established in 1889. Uh, it was then converted or became the Melbourne the Melbourne Brewery in the 1950s. was bought out by Tetley's in the 1960s and then closed down. 
Um, there are a couple of other breweries called Melbourne that are other way, other bits in the country, but I, I've always that uh, Melbourne brewery sign up said Temple's always took out a little bit there. So that was that well, one. Going, then, going, just going back to the Russell's uh, traits behind me, it was Melbourne breweries that bought out Russell's hmm. in 1958. And then they were in turn, like, as you say, bought out by somebody else, which ended the demise of Russell's and also Bruin in Moulton. So, so yeah. again, we're back onto one of our themes, that we? We've, we've talked a lot about big breweries, you know, in the last 10 years buying breweries out, but actually it was, it's been going on pretty much for the last century and a half. I suppose that's just the way that commerce works. Uh, 1950s, part, 1960s, definitely. And then little Bruce's little segment last week on the, the, um, Slightly more challenging pubs of Leeds. Uh, Bruce, you mentioned one of Sam's pubs, the Duncan, and you got a bit mixed up thinking it was named after some Leeds footballer. Uh, again, it's not. It's named after the Admiral Duncan, who apparently was the Viscount of Camberdown, who was a very famous admiral in the no, no, Napoleonic era. So, just an, a urban myth, it's, it's an urban myth. I've, lots of people told me that, but like, <laughs> they, they probably never dared go in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. Uh, okay, uh, well, I think beery highlights were getting low and low. These aren't we? Uh, I'm hoping that on Saturday I'm going to rekindle my hot fuzz brewery tasting. Well, I would say I've not heard a lot from the brewery yet this week. I had a quick look on Facebook today. Um, that we remember last time I was doing that, they had a power cut on the, the afternoon of the hot, of the tasting. So the beers are still in the fridge, but I need to find where the hops and uh, malt have gone up. My lad's not eating them. Um, I need to find those. Um, but that's about it for me, really. Not being done a bit much drinking this week. I don't know. I felt a bit flat this week. It feels a long, although we've kind of talked last week about pubs reopening and I've been seeing lots of tweet tweeters, twitters of, pub gardens being banged together and people building outdoor shelters and things. It's just been, it feels a, still feels quite a way off, doesn't it? I was uh, speaking to somebody today who worked for Molson Cause and they said they are, it's a, it's a little before the storm. They're being contacted by so many landlords are looking to actually put bars outside. Yeah. And when I questioned that, I said, well, it's the difference between having a bar physically outside and allowing your beer guard to be used and, I suppose it comes down to licensing. Uh, but yeah, it seems that a lot of landlords, not just moving furniture outside, but actually putting a, a bar. Yeah. But as far as I know, I still don't know that people can actually walk up to the bar and get served at the bar. I still think it's going to be a table service. I suppose it just makes it a bit quicker, doesn't it, really? Um, so yeah, that was a feedback from that. He himself is saying that still, it's probably, as we mentioned a couple of weeks back, that the, the industry is looking at, you know, at least half the pubs ain't planning to open. I was thinking myself today earlier on, in fact, in Moulton, most of the pubs should be able to open because with it being a market town, they all have either garden, back areas, yards uh, or car parks. But once again, I think it's going to be in the bigger towns and cities where a lot of the pubs have very, very little outdoor space, unless the council once again, as we spoke about last week, allow people to put chairs and tables out on pavements and even into the road. I can see a lot of town city pubs not not bothering opening um even when they're, they're theoretically allowed to on the 12th of april and again i think we mentioned last week i think it's now gone back to the, the kind of the smoking rules isn't it that that that's class as outdoor um rather than you have to have a garden so you, if you've got a smoking area for example that could be a drinking area and i understand that the food bit's completely gone out so you don't have to have a bloody meal to be able to order a pint yeah. now yeah or, or a scotch egg or whatever it was so uh, but again i think i know last week nick you mentioned you know what this just this concern about whether people will be coming back and i, and I just noticed this week there's been a lot of things about obviously the chancellor's budget and a lot of things saying you know sunak and his help out to eat out was that one of the real causes behind that, that second wave that we had in the autumn 
uh, when people did rush out and go and enjoy themselves. And um, so again, you know, I guess there is still people who will be a little bit wary out there as well about where we're going. Yeah, degree of confidence about that and they're saying that everybody over 40 is going to be vaccinated by the end of April so it should put a bit of confidence well in. I was just thinking that again it's a vaccine thing you know does that mean that it's back to the silver surfers going out and getting <laughs> wasted and all the younger people saying mm, it's a bit dodgy still I'm going to stay in 10 o'clock in morning in Weatherspoons yeah <laughs> thanks to Stella again Okay. Okay. A bit of, again, our normal beer news. Uh, again, we're going to try and keep this to fairly limited if we can. Um, Bruce, you, you, I know you. I've been looking at to where the spoons again linked to opening. Really, um, they're going to open some of their pubs, aren't they? Yeah, bizarre. But we're closing at nine o'clock and ten o'clock because it seems very strange, that doesn't it? Because one of the uh, general um, things that everybody agreed on last time was that turfing everybody out at ten o'clock, put everybody on the street and on the buses and. Probably did it help in terms of lowering infections. And really, they said they're closing at 10, even on Friday, Saturday, 9, Sunday, Thursday. So I thought that was yeah. strange, really, both commercially, and it sort of flies in the face of what people generally agree was a bad idea last time out. It's hard to see the rationale behind that, really, isn't it? Well, think about it, though, Bruce. If everybody's outside, they're not in the pubs. Everybody's yeah. outside. It's going to be noise nuisance and oh, residents. Uh, and the less you leave it on a night the less uh, excuse you've got. So I'm thinking it probably more to do with that. Yeah, Make probably. sure that everybody's finished ringing by 10 o'clock, then the next door neighbours aren't going to complain about the row that's going on. Possibly. And it's also, you know, again, one of my former, former lives, it's also quite hard to maintain order, shall we say, in a pub garden. It's much easier, in a, you know, if you're on controlling a door, for example, um, and controlling people in a pub, when they've had a few beers, then he's trying to control people climbing up tables, jumping over fences, and you know uh, all the other stuff yeah. that goes on as well. And um, I, you know, I remember all those pictures, all those football fans in the summer. You know, uh, outside you tend to throw beer quite a lot, don't you? Whereas you very rarely see anybody throw a beer in a pub, but yeah. outside everything seems to be a good thing. So, uh, and again, we I've just put there um, some of the Yorkshire pubs which are opening, which again, again we've been to most of those, and we've mentioned quite a few. Those we mentioned the Bellflower in Sel Selby. A couple of weeks ago, uh, you guys have mentioned the Winter Gardens in Harrogate, which is a fantastic building, isn't it? Um, big one there. We mentioned the Devonshire Skipton the other week yeah. when we were there. Uh, we've mentioned the, uh, I think we mentioned the Angel in Whitby as well. Um, and there, the Ralph Fitz Randall in Richie Sunak's hometown of Richmond. That, that's another cinema. I've actually been in there. It's quite quite a nice, uh, it's off yeah. the kind of main square, which is quite nice as well. Uh, and then just an interesting one for me, there's, there's been loads of these collabs at the moment where breweries are getting together. And we had a quick think about this before we kind of came on air that, uh, interestingly, Thornbridge, who, again, I think one of our, uh, certainly for me and Nick, one of our top breweries, and we were, we, we were looking to visit the brewery there. Uh, was it last year? Probably a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was about it was a year last. Two years December, ago. Two years ago. We didn't, yeah. we didn't do anything last year. <laughs> True. Uh, we had a really good day, they didn't we? And they just yeah. recently moved the tap, I think, because they moved the brewery across the road. Um, and we had a quite a good afternoon in there. And they've done a very interesting collab with Adams, which is again another brewery and, and beer that we've talked about quite a bit. And Nicky, you were down that, I think your last probably holiday was down there, wasn't it? So for yeah, Adams. didn't get into the brewery, but certainly went to, they've got a very impressive brewery shop. And Southwall, it's, it's a nice little seaside town. So yeah, that was the one and only holiday that managed last year after lockdown, after what the first lockdown, sort of uh, July time, I think it was. So and, that's, they, and that's that's why I couldn't I couldn't get in the brewery because the brewery was busy and unfortunately their yeah. uh, what they call their brewery tap was very very busy as well. Yeah. Um, so they've done a collab together and they've called it Nevermore, which is an Indian porter, 
which is a mix of Adam's Ghost Ship and Thornbridge Well Raven. So there's a picture of it there by some very nice Suffolk seaside. It looks quite a dark one, doesn't it? For, for uh, I bet that's um, nice. I bet India that's Porter. Yeah, I mean, mm. it says that the Ghost Ship's 4.5 and Well Raven's 6.6. And it doesn't, doesn't, I haven't put there what the ABV is, but I, I had a quick look on Thornbridge. They're not, they're not selling in their beer shop yet. Um, it may be um, Thornbridge do a subscription box every month, and I think they tend to put these kind of beers in that subscription box, which I've thought about, but it's 40 quid uh, a month, and I don't know, it just feels feels a bit bit expensive to me for that. I do like Thornbridge beers, and they do do quite get, a raise. But... Getting on 500 quid a year, that then, isn't it? I know, it? I know. And, you know, mm. if you if you play your cards right, I've got a load of offers come through this week. You know, you get 10% off uh uh, beer hawk or brew or um, honest brew or whatever and every now and then they'll do a free delivery so i can normally get some beers with 20 29 quid um similar on the beer so um and then we just mentioned i think it was was it tuesday that was international women's day um and again obviously uh, i work in a college and we celebrated that but also it was really interesting that a lot of podcasts on that day a lot of um social media was about some fantastic women in beer and brewing at the moment it's amazing how many there are there are now it feels like it's a real yeah. uh, you know a real surgence of uh, women getting involved not just talking about beer but being involved hands-on um and which is great and i think the next thing of course is i think minority and that's another you know i think there's a camera i know i accept that that it's still a very kind of white again middle class you know kind of beery kind of view isn't it so that way i quite enjoyed listening to quite a few of those podcasts um, and then just at the end just one for me really um i just picked this up and i talked to net i mean again we we've had quite a few um enjoyable sessions up in the lakes and we've mentioned hawk said i think it was one of our uh, i think we mentioned it as one of our kind of oh that was right when we did all well we mentioned uh, uh food uh pub food and i think we mentioned mm. that the uh hawk said tap up in Stavely to a really nice um English what do you call it an English um English tapas yeah 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 and I just got a tweet came through I think it was somebody that retweeted it about the Lakes Brewing Company and they're quite new so I had a quick look and looking through the thread I kind of picked up that uh yeah maybe something here that we just maybe we can have a quick look at um so a bit more digging Hawk said now is owned by a company called Halewood International which doesn't sound very brewy, uh, but they are a fairly long-standing uh, distiller kind of wine merchant kind of group. Uh, they're the people behind. They own now Whitley Neal's, the, the huge gin brand. They also have the Dead Man Fingers rum. Uh, they do the Pogues whiskey, which you can often see in supermarkets. And they now have both Hawkshead and also Saddlers. Um, Saddlers were quite a, a very famous um, 1800s uh brewery in the black country in oldfield uh they brew their the peaky blinders beers again which you see quite a lot in uh in in supermarket although i did notice actually i noticed on thornbridge they they thornbridge claim they do the official um they call it shelby don't they and and on their labeling it says that they are the official peaky blinders beer called shelby so interesting how again i don't know whether hailwood are from liverpool or just outside liverpool and obviously a lot of peaky blinders is uh, filmed in Liverpool, a lot of it around the, the Baltic and, and around the brewery there. So whether there's something going on there. Anyway, cut long story short. At the start of lockdown, Hellwood, uh, who've had Oxford um, for about two years now, I think just over two years, suddenly made quite a lot of the key staff redundant. They came in and blamed COVID and said, you know, there's not going to be a market for beer. 
and people like the head brewer and the Senate brewer. So around about 20 Q staff were actually made redundant um, at the start of lockdown. Hawks are continuing. They, they still kept moving on. Um, and the guys, I guess they, you know, cobbled together with their redundancy money and fantastic in that they have re-emerged as themselves as the Lakes Brew Company. And they're just launching now. It's a very nice photography of them up, up there. I think that's probably Cat Bells, I would imagine, they're back there. Um, and they're based in Kendall now. And they're going to start brewing um, some Lake, Lake District beers. And they are hoping to put up a uh, pop-up tap outside the brewery. Um, and again, we were mentioning um, it's about the brewery, the new brewery is about five, ten minutes from the railway station in Kendall as well. So a great place probably to visit. We've mentioned Kendall a couple of times. And I know you two guys have talked, you can just about get Kendall, can't you? One of those northern day tickets. Yeah, things smart move. About. I mean, I think that was a thing with Staveley. They were fortunate that there is a little railway stop there because I know when they used to have their beer festivals, I happened on one of those. And it was obvious because, you know, um, vast majority of people were there at the beer festival come on the train. And it was a known route for people over in the west of the of the of the country to jump on the train and do do that line. Uh, so Kendall obviously is nearer to the West Coast main line. So even more so, I would hope that when people are doing stuff like we do by train, it makes it even more accessible than Stavely even was. So uh, yes, yeah, smart yeah. move by by those guys. And I will certainly go across there and, and support them when I can, uh, as long as they don't change the recipes of the beers too much. Because uh, I say I've always well, it- enjoyed their beers, really have. <laughs> I mean, that's interesting. I don't know what happens there. I don't know. I mean, I know sometimes you can bring, um, you know, if you're, uh, whether you've got that recipe Copyright yourself. Here, recipe yeah, copyright. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Um, so again, again, just a quick look at uh, Hellwood, you know, a bit, a bit more detail. I'm not saying anything about Hellwood, but um, interesting that when they bought Sadler's Brewery, they they actually um, took the brewing away and took all the brewing up to Hawkshead. So actually mm. most of the Peaky Blinded beer was actually brewed in, in Hawkshead, not, not in the West Midlands. And apparently they moved quite a lot of the kit from there over to Ireland, and that's where they make the Pogues whiskey. And it's funny because, Nick, you bought me some of that, I think, for Christmas a couple of years mm. ago. I quite like an Irish whiskey. Uh, it's whiskey mm. with an E, isn't it, Irish whiskey, rather than without the E. Yeah. Um, and we, we, I thought we'd be trying to find out who brewed it and oh, sorry, distilled it. Uh, and it's quite hard to find, wasn't it? Because Ireland's still quite unique in that there aren't actually that many distillers. There certainly weren't that many distillers yeah. in Ireland. They all do, they all kind of do. I mean, they've got Bushmills and, and Jamesons, but they all do brand. Yeah, a bit like in Scotland, they all do lots of brand names, don't they? So, so that one maybe one to just keep an eye on, really. And certainly, it'd be I don't know. I'd be interested to go back to Hawkshead, the brewery tab. It's a lovely building. It's uh, a nice place to have a beer, isn't it? It's a bit weird because it's kind of back of a little mini industrial state. Well, it's a, but it's an industrial are. state, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. So anyway, uh, this week we're going to look at labels, logos, and reflections. So. Nicholas, what's what's the what's the philosophy here? What's the what's the idea? Well, as as you say, we've uh, we've we've we're on our eighth podcast now. Um, we've discussed various different routes, and for no other reason, we were sort of running out of places where we could recommend. But advertising, branding, marketing is ultra important to any industry, I would think, but certainly the beer and the the the, the drinking industry. Um, going back to, we talked about when a lot of brewers have been started sort of early 1800s, even then, you know, to find themselves a marketplace, they had to promote themselves um, as competition increased. So I just thought that um, covering, I, I also, I'm a collector of brewery, brewery mania or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I, I like this stuff, you know, and, and obviously the, the, the products that are produced, the merchandise produced, it, it can be. Um, a diverse range of, of, of stuff from ashtrays to, I mean, even you two guys, you started before I did, collecting the beer mats wherever you went. Uh, thing is now, it's very difficult to find beer mats. You know, a lot yeah, of pub chains yeah. have got policy where 
we don't have beer mats anymore because um, they're untidy. And yet the worst thing I ever find is you go and get a pint of beer, you put it on a polished table. Uh, if it's a cold beer, then all the condensation runs down the glass. If it's being served at a proper measure, it runs over the top of your pint anyway. And you're constantly getting beer dripping into your lap. So in fact, I've got in the habit of now of actually carrying beer mats around myself in my pockets and um, rest of the family quite, find it quite amusing. But I always have myself a beer mat. If there's no beer mat uh, available, I'll turn around and say, right, I'll use my own. And sometimes when you get people coming to clay tables, they spot a beer mat of a brand of beer that they don't sell. They look a bit peculiar. Yeah. Right? So sometimes I have to explain myself and sometimes I don't. So, yeah, in its simplest form, it's, it's collecting beer mats. I'm sort of Mr Bean. What? Hey, hang on a minute. Hang on. So there's the man who used to collect toilet soaps. And I remember being yeah. stopped, I think, on the way back from bloody Amsterdam. And he, he had a bloody bag full of toilet soaps. And, and, and the customers go, what are these? Are they toilet soaps? I collect them. Bricks of cocaine, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's nothing worse, Bruce, than you're having a drink and it's dripping, in, dripping on your lap and you stand up. It looks like... Yeah, semi-incontinent, so... So, no, it's, it's only forms of beer mats, and obviously you can look upon it as investment as well, Bruce. I mean, some of the beer mats now were, you know, it's, it's, it's a hobby out there. It's, and, and me and Bruce must admit, we actually went in our early days, we actually went all the way to Warrington to a beer mat <laughs> festival or whatever it was, which was um, in some kind of hotel, whatever it was, a Holiday Inn, uh, a very strange... Full of men with... Suitcases full of beer mats. It was uh, strange. An international a... pastime as well. I mean, if you go, yeah, was... go on, on some of these auctions, online auction sites, I won't mention any names, but once again, it seems massive in America. It's amazing yeah. how much British branded Broriania yeah. is available and being sold in America for yeah. ridiculous prices. Mm. So I thought it might be nice to have a bit of a reminisce as well. Yeah. Uh, as we've mentioned before, we really started our drinking in the 80s. You two guys being a couple of years older than me, uh, sort of the early to mid 80s, me sort of back end of the 80s. And I think really 80s was a time that, yeah, marketing and branding and advertising was very important to the breweries. But we moved from really them promoting the beer in the 40s and 50s to the new kid on the block, the lagers. Uh, so going through 60s and 70s, it was still beer. But I think the 80s really was more of a time of branding the lager. I don't know if you guys agree with me or not. So, yeah, and I would say if, if you approached anybody in the street tomorrow morning and asked them to give you a, a beer slogan or a phrase, I would reckon that nine times out of 10, they'll give you a lager one. So there are a lot of beer slogans uh, I, and phrases I was gonna, out there. Sorry, Nick, I was going to challenge you on that because obviously beer, beer advertising has been pretty much limited now, hasn't it? So I think you're right. When we were younger, you got lots of adverts for fags and beer on the TV. I mean, you don't, you don't actually get. I don't. Do you, I, 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 I think now, do we? Do we still get beer adverts on telly? No, you're right. We do. Well, I don't think they're out, are they? I, no, I, I I'm saying. Who was like the advertiser? The oh, yeah. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They did. There are some. Carly advertiser. But yes, I mean, I mean, John, right, yeah. John Smith's had all those kind of adverts with Peter Kay and people, didn't they? That were kind of massive. John Smith adverts, were they? No, I was. Just think of the link in it because there's a link in the back to pubs. Because yes. again, I was trying to find out which podcast I were really interested in about the history of kind of brewing and pubs. And obviously, I think it was the Romans who first had this idea of putting something outside their kind of wine tavern to say this is a wine tavern. Their tabernacle. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they were the first one that really set up taverns and hostels because. Yeah. The Romans were used to traveling. Traveling. Yeah. They were building yeah. the roads. Yeah. When people had to stop for something to eat and drink. 
the advertised, certainly like you say with the wine, that the wine was ready by putting a vine outside. That's right. Now, yeah. that wasn't conducive over in the UK because we don't grow many vines. So what they used to do was put a bush outside. And so the bush is yeah. quite a common pub name. And it oh yeah, it all started from there. Uh, and then in terms of using the sign. And then understand then what the big difference was then with the industrial, well, the, the, I guess the agricultural revolution, first of all. So back in the 1400s, most people brewed beer. Everybody brewed beer in the, in the house. You know, everybody brewed beer. You had something on the pot, you know, like a porridge on the pot that became a beer. Um, and that's how you kind of drank, you know. Um, one, it was something to do, with, obviously, with the water. Maybe it wasn't as fresh, so you by brewing it, you kind of made it um, normal. When when um, the agricultural revolution happened and less people were working on their own farm or on their own bit of land and were moving around, the alewives, which were those first people that were brewing, um, had access beer because now you know they weren't working as hard or they were they were traveling further afield and they again would put something outside their house and say again their brew with similar thing their brew is ready because it's where the, the pub sign comes from and then you start to develop that because if your beer was better than the one down Mrs. Smith down the road you might put you know something a bit more fancy outside and, and people would look out that same thing really traveling through so I guess that's well, the who- yeah, moving on from the Romans, the next then big tavern owners were the, the monasteries. It was the yeah. monks. Mm. And that's why a lot of pubs have a uh, a religious angle to their signs. And even, you know, things like the bishop's finger, which was the finger marker pointers to on the Canterbury Tales, on, on the pilgrimages. Um, but then it was one of the kings as well. I'll, I'll look this up for next week. Possibly King John for the Crusades in order to fund uh, his armies. Yeah. He had official beer inspector that went round and checked the beers to do with taxes. Mm. And so he said that everybody who's, who's selling beer has to have a sign to make his tax inspector easier to find the pubs. And because the majority of the population at that time were illiterate, the signs that they would put out, instead of putting beer, beer on sale here, it would be a symbol that they would relate to or a symbol. And once then you would get a lot of coat of arms and, and it would be a symbol of, of the, 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 the landowner in the area because... As we talked about the mill owners in, in places like Bradford and Leeds, they like to show their wealth on their sleeves. And so if the landowner in a particular area can have his coat of arms or some reference to him in the, uh, the, the pub sign, he would, he would do that. So that's, that's when you started to get diverse uh, pub signs from, you know, herald, heraldry and, and, and things like that as well. So, yeah, I mean, the history of pub signs and, and, and things like that, it's, it's a podcast in its own right. And, as you say, people have already done it, but um, yeah. Right, let's crack on then. So shall I move so, on to the first one? Coming back to the connection between branding as well, obviously, everybody recognises the red triangle. In fact, I think this has been mentioned before. I know yeah. Bruce used to mention this in your in your historic pub tours, that the red triangle was the first UK registered trademark, and that was registered on New Year's Day in 1876. And there is a bit of a folklore tale that, in fact, it was an employee of Bass was first in the queue. He missed out on his New Year's Eve because he had to stand in the queue ready to register the Red Triangle <laughs> as the first UK uh, registered trademark. Bass also got the number two registered trademark in a diamond. Now, they'd actually been using the Triangle since 1855 on their barrels of beer because they had three breweries on the go. They had the Old Brewery, the Middle Brewery, and the new brewery all down at Burton, whichever 
brew went into a barrel, it was marked with a triangle, different colour triangle, either a red, white or blue triangle. But as far as a red triangle was concerned, that was incorporated into the beer label for all their bottled bass uh, pale ale by supposedly a clerk who was working in their office, a chap called George Curzon. And he came up with the idea to put the red triangle onto, um, onto the, 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 the beer bottle. And in fact, it has featured in a lot of literary. Uh, I think Joyce mentions it in Ulysses, sat in a pub and seen yeah, the right, yeah. red triangle. On, on, and a lot of the uh, very, very well-known uh, artists of the late 1800s, in fact, featured bottles of bass within their, uh, some of their, 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 their images. So bass, in terms of branding, they were the first people to take branding on board and come up with a symbol that could be recognised. And obviously, bass were sending their beers all around the world as well. So the Red Triangle became synonymous with a good quality beer and people wanted to associate themselves with that. There is still a thinking why it was a triangle in the first place and there was revelations that the Bass family were not to do with mythology, but to do with Egypt and the pharaohs and all this sort of stuff and, and power and the afterlife. Uh, but obviously it's going back a long time and, and people can't really get to the bottom of that now. But that's why Bass is, is significant now. So that was the first registered trademark. But the next slide is probably the most iconic image that has ever been used in brewing. And that is... Anybody, harp. any ideas? The Guinness harp. Not the harp. No, right. thinking of a character toucan. or a creature. The Guinness toucan. The toucan, that's right. right. So you want to click it on a slide? Well, hang on, because I've got, I'm going to challenge you here, because I've also read, and this may be to do with the trademarking, that the Guinness harp is also often referred to as the oldest beer um, logo in the world. And that was, again, guess what? Guess when that was registered? 1876, exactly the same year as the Bass Triangle. But whether that was done in Dublin, Ireland, or not in or, London or not, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't think, I think at the start, Guinness probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been the global beer that Bass was, even in the 1800s, as you said, the IPAs you've mentioned before, haven't we? So, so yeah, the Guinness well, Harp. The impression that the Bass uh, Triangle came about because uh, all the soldiers that were stationed in the far flung corners of the empire were so despondent, <coughs> the government were paying brewers large amounts of money to ship uh, the beer out there to keep spirits up. Uh, and uh, Bass divides a triangle because most of these guys really read right, unfortunately. Uh, so they knew the India Pale Ale was the one with the Bass Red Triangle on it to distinguish it from the competitors. That goes back to your pub science books, like we yeah. say, people who couldn't read or write. It was, a, it was a symbol that could be easily identified. But the reason why they came up with the triangle in the first place, because they, they developed from the symbol, the triangle that was already on the barrels in, uh, in the brewery. So that was a symbol in terms of the slogans and the logos that they used. We've got a couple there on screen. Uh, a little bit of better and reach for greatness. So they were synonymous. I think the other thing was, of course, that we said almost from day one when Bass got so good, everybody tried to copy Bass to the point that, you know, the Burton eyes of the water, weren't they? You know, other breweries in other parts of the country and other parts of the world were trying to make their water, uh, Burtonizing it to taste like the water you get from, from Burton on Trent. So I think some of it was also to maintain that, you know, we are Bass. You're buying the real McCoy here, not somebody imitating it, which again is something we could talk about. So, call then, let's talk about this toucan. It's a bit mouldy, bit sort of. I always felt it was a bit sort of wheaty somehow. It was mm. a totally unique beer, wasn't it? 
Mm. Well, I think that, that that was to do with the water. I mean, it was it was always a slightly darker beer as well as it as I remember. Um, and they also call it the um, the Burton Sniff. It all slightly sulfuric, a bit like rotten eggs, yeah. a little bit of rotten eggs. The, yeah, the yeah, Burton yeah. Sniff, the Burton Sniff. Yeah. yeah, and I think Pedigree's probably still got that. If you get a decent pint of Pedigree when you first smell it, you'll just get that slight little bit of sulfur, little bit of kind of rotten egg smell initially, which is the gypsum salts. That's where it kind of comes from. Yeah. So yeah. come on, let's let's get onto this toucan bird then. So I reckon that the Guinness toucan is probably the most recognised uh, iconic symbol around the world. And I think the, uh, the guy who drew it, John Gilroy, he'd have a pound every time it was used or every time somebody put it on the wall at home or any other sort of merchandise, he would have been a very, very, very rich man indeed. So, yeah, the toucan is attributed to John Gilroy. But in fact, it was a lady. Uh, appropriate seeing that it's International uh, Ladies Day or Week this week. It was a lady that came up with the idea of the toucan, and that was a lady called Dorothy L. Sawyers. She was well known as a, a fictional crime writer, as a poet, but she also worked uh, as a copywriter for an advertisement agency called uh, S.H. Benson's, and Gilroy was one of their artists. And she came up with the phrase or the slogan of the poem, if he can say as you can, Guinness is good for you. How grand to be a toucan. Just think what toucan do. So she came up with the words first and Gilroy then created the toucan. And I love Gilroy's work. Um, it's, it's very characteristic. His, whether it be animals or whether it be uh, human characters, they're always sort of a, a caricature. They always look happy uh, and they're always very distinctive style. So, in fact, um, Gilroy carried on being very successful for sort of 40 or 50 years of his life. Um, during the war, he was used by the Ministry of Information, and there are a couple of classic um, propaganda information posters out there that straight away you see them and you recognise Gilroy's hand in them. But anybody who was a fan of Gilroy, in fact, pub that you might want to visit is the Moritz Hotel up at Greta Bridge, which is um, up in County Durham. It's on the road that connects over from Scotch Corner over to Carlisle. There is it. The is that the year sixty six? Anybody know? Yeah. It is the year sixty six? Um, yeah. Anyway, a place called Greta Bridge. Um, Greta Bridge has a connection with Charles Dickens. They reckon Charles Dickens went up there and stayed up there whereas whilst he was looking and researching for Nicholas Nickleby because of a lot of the Yorkshire boarding schools up there. So he stopped in the Moritz Hotel. Fast forward to um, the turn of the century. Um, uh, John Gilroy was actually born in Whitley Bay and he went to Durham University. His university um, scholarship was cut short by the war, the First World War. After the war, he then went to the um, College of Art and eventually became, became a draftsman. But I think with his local connection, he must have frequented the Moritz Hotel because it was after the war that they, the hotel actually made this claim themselves on their website that he owed them a debt. Um, he had a bill to pay. So rather than paying them in cold hard cash, he offered to do some work for them. So if you go to the Moritz Hotel now, in the back room, which they actually call the Dickens Bar now, there's almost a full uh, floor-to-ceiling mural that wraps itself all the way around the bar wow. of Dickensian scenes but it's painted by Gilroy. And once again, you look at the characters, the round, jolly faces and the ruddy cheeks. And even if I didn't know this already, 
if I'd just gone into that bar as a stranger and looked, I would have said, that artist looks very reminiscent to me. That looks like Gilroy. But I said, I'd already discovered this and gone in there. But yeah, so if you're ever up in, uh, up in County Durham, um, Greta Bridge, the Morris Hotel, it's, it's worth having a look in there just for the artwork. And they do sell real early in there as well. So the Guinness was the starting point. And then, as I mentioned, then John went on and created a whole menagerie of animals and the zookeeper there that's just peeping out the ark door. This actual piece isn't done by John Gilroy. It's in the style of. But I, I have this on my wall and I quite like it because it's showing all the animals there, the Guinness there, the, the toucan, the seals, obviously, as well, and the giraffes. And I'm sure you two will remember the whole series of adverts with various creatures running off with it. You can see the ostrich there as well with a pint in its neck. Um, and then he developed that then into uh, the other things. Guinness is good for you and Guinness gives you strength. Once again, during the Second World War, he was creating images to do with the military. And in fact, I've just recently discovered he did a set of posters, believe it or not, for Germany. This is when Guinness were looking to develop their brand overseas. And just before the war started, between 1936 and 1938, they produced an advertising campaign that was going to be used in Germany to promote Guinness over there. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable that you've got Gilroy's imagery with swastikas very, very prevalent and relevant in the actual imagery. Leads to say they were never produced, but obviously these things are now uh, there in the, in, the, in the Guinness archive. But uh, yeah, it took me, took me quite back to see lovable John Gilroy's imagery with the toucans flying with the pints of Guinness. And in the back, there's a swastik emblazoned Zeppelin flying along as well and various other images. So that's something that I've only just learned about. That, I, don't, I don't know if I've shown you this, Nick. I've got a Gaelic Guinness one here, which is a depiction of a Gaelic football player uh, and, and mm -hmm. Irish, and it's it's slightly nationalistic, I would probably argue. Uh, yeah. And again, I don't know if that's... I suppose it is in that Gilroy style, isn't it? It's uh, Well, is it? He normally does sign it. Is he signed Gilroy in the bottom corner? Mm, he normally does sign it. I think it's on the football boot mainly, yeah. Right. And, and he's got he's got the bottle of Guinness in his back pocket in the, the Gaelic football player. Which did. Uh, yeah, I've just been looking at you mentioned the thing. I've been looking at eBay. Two of those toucans that you have been on every pub wall in the nineteen sixties. Really, eighty quid for yeah. two of those ceramic uh, toucans. Well, so. you, you've got to be very careful because Mike, you know this. Yeah. Staffordshire, Carlton Ware were the big manufacturers, and when Carlton Ware was closed down, all the moulds were either sold or acquired by the Far East. So there are many, many, copies. many fakes yeah. out there now. Certainly yeah. the iconic Guinness Toucan balance in the pint, the, the light that was supplied to the pubs. I've got an original, but there's a thousand and one different fakes out there. If anybody's yeah. interested, the best way to look at it, because once again, things have improved nowadays, but back when they were being made, there was lead in the paint and the glaze that we're using. So if you see, if you see any Guinness merchandise that's a bit wishy-washy or not a deep, dark, true colour, that's the easiest, best way to spot that it's a fake because nowadays they're using a wishy-washy glaze. Maybe they aren't doing it in China, but uh, as I say, that's one easy way to spot the real McCoy. But yeah, just be careful because there are many, many fakes out there simply because of the prices that uh, they give you stuff because it is just so iconic. And as I say, there must be literally hundreds of millions of homes yeah. all around the world that have a piece of Guinness memorabilia and... I would say certainly has uh, the hand of John Gilroy featured in that. So 
yeah, I love the Gibby stuff. And as I say, John Gilroy is, is a guy that I would love to try and acquire a piece of his original artwork. He did, he did a lot of other, he did portraits, he did landscapes as well. Um, I think to acquire a piece of uh, original artwork to do with a Guinness. He also did the, the uh, he worked for um, Corbin's Mustard as well. They had the Mustard family, which was quite an iconic advertisement campaign at that time. But that's diversifying a little bit too far away. So that's, 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 that's Gilroy. So those are two iconic symbols um, at the forefront of marketing, advertising and branding, fortunately to do with, with, with alcohol and to do with drinking, to do with beer. Well, As I mentioned... Do- yeah, I do wonder now. Actually, I think there's probably. I think we're going to find this as you go through this today. This, I, I think this kind of era is isn't it? Because I would imagine if you spoke to somebody under probably the age of thirty, their image of Guinness would be uh, Guinness cold, Guinness cold. Uh, I mean, you don't see this branding, do you now? And I guess at the moment, Six Nations. It's all over every paper, yeah. every yeah. TV. It's it's kind of Guinness Six Nations, isn't it? And it I, it, I I would I would proffer that Guinness spend more money on a bad title than any other brewery yeah. in the world, and. Some of their TV adverts and even some of their marketing campaigns have gone down as iconic. Yeah, they are held yeah. up now as being, you know, breaking the mould in terms of, of of advertising and marketing, the visual image or whatever else. So it's still very, very important. And I know when we've been to the Guinness Brewery, Bruce, you know, there's a massive section there okay. on advertising and marketing. So they themselves realise yeah, and appreciate uh, what what the, the significance and the, and the value of it. And that's why... Once again, it's probably the, the the world brand. You know, you go to the far flung places of the world and ask them to mention a, an international drink, and I'm sure that most will, in whatever the language they're speaking, will mention Guinness yeah. because they have managed to reach that far. So, mentioned a little bit earlier on the fact that I think that that beer was was promoted heavily in the 50s and 60s, 70s, and then lager came onto the scene. And I would still say that even now, if you ask people to to give you a beer slogan they would come up with some of the ones that I've, I've chosen here. I'm sure you guys can come up with some yourselves, but once again, for people who aren't watching the YouTube channel, we've got the Carlsberg, which is probably the best beer in the world. We've got Heineken, refreshes the parts so the beers cannot reach. I bet he drinks Carling Black Label. Australians wouldn't give a Forex for anything else. 1664, a good year for beer. Budweiser, the king of beers. And I never really got this one. Wouldn't you rather be Hemling? I don't remember Hemling, do you? Yeah, I remember yeah. it. I, I, I was just thinking there, though. I think, again, people under 30, probably the, the other Carlsberg one. And I'm looking at all those, you know, the Carlingback label doesn't exist anymore. 4X doesn't exist anymore. Hemling doesn't exist anymore. Uh, they, they maybe enhance well, they do. the one. They, they do, because the thing with Carling, Carling, it's, it, it's actually, it was always promoted as a British beer. And yeah, it is, they actually use... Yeah, that's where it was developed from. So. And, and local tours of Camera Brewery that we had in Moulton, it was all Hansa around here, wasn't it? Yeah. You yeah. have the thirst, we have the Hansa. Uh, but but again, about... Another beer doesn't exist anymore, so whether yeah. these marketing worked or not, I'm not sure. And let's well, be honest, about... it all tasted pretty much the same, didn't it, all this stuff? Yeah. Whatever yeah. label what it had, it tasted the same, didn't it? What so about it... Sam Smith's Iingabrau? Do you remember that that was called, Bruce? Oh, something with the Alps or Switzerland, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was it classically, it was brewed and licensed by Sam Smith. And once again, Sam Smith were quite forward-looking. They were one of the first breweries to bring lager brewing into this country of a continental style. Yeah. And um, the imagery was a, a very uh, Tyrolean-looking guy 
well, in yeah. his little plastic box on the bar with a blue background, the mountains, mm. and it was always known as the man in the box. Yeah. And people used to go into the Soundsmith's pub and say, can I have a pie at the man in the box? Yeah. And Ingerbrow still is around, and I don't think the actual imagery, I, I, I can't remember, Bruce, you've been in more Soundsmith's pubs than me lately, but I think the actual Ingerbrow pump clip hasn't changed that much, has it? Well, it's no longer Ingerbrow. He's now got the organic lager. It's Taddy Lager, Forex. The Ingerbrow branding disappeared about three or four years ago. Oh, right, so he's got it complete, has he? Right. A lot of getting used to when the Ingerbrow went. We're going to what we call the Taddy Lager now. It's a little yeah. sweeter. And yeah, the Ingerbrow was delicious. Yeah, and then yeah. the other one I remember is what was the bear, the Hoff the bear? Hoffmeister, follow the bear. Yes, Hoffmeister, yeah. follow the bear. Now that is actually quite a traditional, civilized German brewery. But again, yeah. I think the bit that we got in the UK was slightly different. Um, and uh, yeah, Hoffmeister the bear, big, a big orange, big yellow bear, wasn't it? That but it, it was a crap there. costume, wasn't it? Though <laughs> it really was. It, it was like one of them twenty pound, um, you know, fancy dress shop costumes. They actually made a whole. Series of television television yeah. adverts around it. Yeah. This bear walking into the bar, and then yeah, obviously uh, Budweiser had that WhatsApp, didn't they? That yeah. WhatsApp, and then I, you mentioned it, Bruce. The one before was the Moors, the Coors Light, which has um, what's his name with a martial arts guy, doesn't he? That does the adverts. Claude Van Damme. Claude Van Damme, Claude Van Damme into mountain. Yeah, yeah. And that's. I was trying to think. That's about the only one that sticks in my head now. Guinness for the Six Nations rugby yeah, yeah. and cause light. Uh, I mean, Budweiser. Oh, I guess they do run adverts. And maybe I think. I think obviously these days with your digital TV, you just fast forward the adverts, don't you, yeah. or skip them. So, uh, are we moving on? Next, we move on to the next section. No, because what I've got to do now, I, I, I from, from from this section onwards, that the two guys uh, don't know what I've got lined up. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give them a couple of catchphrases and see if they can identify the brewery, and then we'll talk a little about the brewery. So the first one, we're going to start in Yorkshire. Could have guessed it with me. So which brewery used the catchphrases, no nonsense, and have it? John Smith. John Smith's. Well done. Okay, now, Mike, you mentioned about, yeah, John Smith spent quite a bit of money, not a, a few years back, using... Uh, Peter Kay uh, went down the humorous line, and I reckon that that yeah, that certainly did promote their sales of of the John Smiths. We've obviously talked about John Smiths quite at length um, in past uh, past pods, so we don't need to discuss much about the brewery. I've got other brewers that we're going to talk about, uh, other than yeah, it's uh, the bro- the brewery still is in Tarcaster. I understand brewing even of John Smith was taken away from there, but I think they are back brewing some at John Smith. Not quite sure. Uh, with these massive breweries now, they seem to change the brewing at the drop of a hat. But uh, yeah, John Smith. anymore. That was the, it's hard to believe that was the same brewery that John Smith Spitzer came from. They also produced Magnet, which was absolutely delicious. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a slightly stronger one again, wasn't it, bro? It's more of a traditional beer. Lovely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was looking right. at I mean, John, sorry, John Smith. I mean, looking at uh, look some of their adverts. I mean, again, there are people like Ronnie Barker was doing adverts for them in the 70s and 80s. So they are, you know, like you said, they spent a hell of a lot of money getting fairly top, you know, whoever the top comedians were. And I guess back yeah. in the noughties, Peter Kay was you know top top draw, wasn't he, doing their adverts? And said well, it was Ronnie Barker John, was doing them for them as well. John Smith was always a big club land beer, really, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. big, big in the working men's club. Certainly, we didn't used to see it round here as much as we did the Tetleys, but whether that's because yeah. we had a we had a brewery te- depot with Tetleys, but I mean, John Smith certainly was was massive in the clubs round here. Um, so once again, whether that was that was the audience that they were going for. So if you want to click on that that slide there, Mike, that will just yeah. give us 
little bit of John Smith. There yeah. So there we are. We've got the again, that, there, Bruce. that magnet. That magnet was was quite a symbol, wasn't it? And it, certainly, if anybody's driven up to Scarborough or to York, you pass the Tadkaiser Brewery, the, the the tower, the chimney had that big yeah. glowing magnet on it. And then I think um, again behind that, Bruce mentioned the, the old Bass Triangle was in the other brewery, wasn't it in Tadcaster? Uh, yeah, when he got to Smiths as well. And yeah, certainly some. Uh, just just draw your notice the top left of that beer map there, underneath the brewery, it says. Yorkshire men brew it. Yeah. So once again, they couldn't really run that set of beer mats anymore unless they are still brewing it at, uh, at the, the brewery there. But anyway, right. So that's our first one. So we're staying in Yorkshire for the next one. And the next one is What Went Down Great Guns? Stones. Stones. Uh, Correct. Sheffield Brewery. Orange yeah. with a cannon on it, wasn't it? So let's click on next then. Stones. Yeah. What, was the, down can, great what was the Cannon link? We know what the Cannon link right, was. Right, so the original brewery was the Cannon Brewery. Uh, right. And as far as I can tell, it was named the Cannon Brewery because it was next to a foundry that produced gun barrels. And it was based not too far, actually, down in Callum Island, where, as we discussed three or four weeks back, there's been a massive renaissance of beer and pubs and brewing down in Callum Island. That's where the Fat Cat is based. And once upon a time, Fat Cat was really... Uh, it was on its own, but obviously you've got the Callum Island Tavern now, you've got Callum Island Brewery, uh, you've got a mini little pub crawl just in that area of Sheffield, which me and Bruce found out when we were down there, what was it, about two and a half, three years ago, Bruce? Yeah, yeah, so it was the Christmas before last, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, down Christmas. Yeah, so Stoke, William Stone started the brewing in 1868, uh, his beer was popular by the time of his death in 1894. He was one of the richest men in Sheffield. And in fact, as well as the goes down great guns, the other slogan that was well known for Stones was wherever you may wonder, there's no place like Stones. That holds the accolade of being the longest running set of TV adverts ever for a beer. And the ad campaign starring Tony Barton, and Michael Angelis ran from 1983 to 1991. So it ran for, what, eight years. Um, an ad campaign featuring Stone's beer. I used to basically uh, drink Stone's when I was a, a, a student down in Sheffield. That was my favourite tipple, as I say, at that time. Sadly, uh, Tenants Brewery had long since gone. There was Wards still brewing. Um, Wards have done those beers that it was okay if you started doing it at the beginning of the night, drank it right the way through, but you didn't go, you don't want to be on something else and try a pint of Wards because it was, once again, it was a bit like your burnt beers and your pedi, it was very sulfurous. Um, what else do we have? We also had Whitbread as well. The Whitbread uh, Bridge Brewery was very, very famous. And uh, the Trophy, I think it was at that time. But yes, yeah, Stones was my favourite beer. It was a lighter beer, quite a strong beer, and they said it was specifically brewed for the steel workers. Once again, this thing to quench the thirst and to replace the fluids. So it, it was a very, very easy drink. But again, it, it was one of those beers, wasn't it, that, that, that I think when, I think, Molson Coors bought it and it went to Tadcaster and changed slightly. I always remember it being quite malty, bready, quite sweet it was um, in its in its first, you know, in its Sheffield version. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it was purchased by Bass in 1968. Uh, then the Cannon Brewery was closed in 1999. 
Then Bass was bought by Interbrew, yeah. and they had to sell the brand because the competitions, Monopolies, Mergers, guy said, you've got too many brands. So they sold it, uh, sold it to um, Stones. is actually still brewed by Mawson Coors mm. uh, at the brewery in Tadcaster, and the can product is brewed in Burton. But since the withdrawal of the markets, apart from Bass, obviously it's... Uh, it's, it's not as well promoted now. Although saying that, the statistics that I read reckon it's still in the top 20 highest selling beer brands in the UK. Yeah. But whether that's its conversion... I, I, sure, really. I can't remember seeing it for quite a while, actually. You, know, you still I, find cans really of it. Can, can beers now, though. I'll have to check it out when Sainsbury's tomorrow. I mean, you just, you just never think of looking at buying a far-pack of canned beer now, do you? Yeah, true. Yeah. Not when you've got all the craft beers on no, board just, as well. I'm just so. looking on. I'm looking on Untapped now. It actually says that, that the actual Stones Bitter now is actually brewed by uh, North True North Brewing Company, and it's saying that Stones Bitter brewed original recipe with some hops, same hops and yeast from the original Cannon Brewery. So oh. maybe they bought out the actual of Northern Cores. They've actually bought the original one. Um, and we're well, I think some of these, these independent brewers are doing that now, aren't they? Yeah. Like I said, I mean, somebody's brewing what is Red Barrel again, aren't they? Oh, they're South Yorkshire, they're Sheffield, yeah. True, 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 true North Brew Company, microbrewery, Sheffield, South Yorkshire. So, as we said, we tech this last week, it looks like they bought out, they've bought one of the original recipes from the weather, Malta Cores. And yeah. uh, so that might be worth looking out for that. Uh, true North, uh, Stones Beer, yeah. But like you say, quite, yeah. I think that that's a very simple advertising thing, isn't it, Nick? Just that, that cannon and the red the stones, quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. promoting what strength and, 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 and yeah. power and, and, Ar- uh, yeah, Arsenal yeah. Football Club, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's, that's actually my little cannon, it's actually heavy, is that I was quite pleased yeah. with that. I thought it was going to be yeah. like nasty plastic, but it's not. It's, it's proper. It's not bronze or brass, but it's yeah. it's, it's, it's cast. Right. So the next next slogan for you guys is for men of the north. Uh, Camerons. You said Camerons. No, come on, guys. It's it's probably the, the the beer or the brew that we've talked to most about in the last. Timothy week. Taylor's. Absolutely, yeah. Timothy Taylor's. So there we are. Because yeah, there's now, interesting. Because they, they the landlord one you'd recognise, but actually they don't they don't see. I mean, again. They've got a bit of a mix, haven't they? They've got the landlord guy, and then they've got the bushel yeah, that you yeah, get yeah. on their logo. And then, but I would always just, as you got there, Nick, that Timothy Taylor's Championship beers in that circle. That's one I would probably always remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always being very traditional. I like yeah. the, the the green and the and the what you call it buff or gold. They haven't changed much. The landlord, in fact, was only introduced in 1952. Yeah, yeah. That's when they first started brewing it. And once again, the figure of the jolly landlord there with his tank and his waistcoat on, using the red. Red has always been a good colour. But yeah, the, the slogan for men of the earth was adapted before landlord was actually produced. And we, we know about the, the, the brewery in, in, in Keithley anyway, uh, originally set up in the centre of Keithley in 1958. When they actually purchased the first pub and Bruce, can you guess which their first pub was? We have mentioned it. Bolt makers. No, the last time we went in there, we Our went goodness. in and turned straight around and came out again. It's oh, no longer. Yeah, it's no oh, longer it? a a, yeah, a, 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 a So that I found that quite surprising to think that you know they've got rid of it now, and yet that was their first pub. Yeah. So yeah, first pub was was purchased um, a year after they opened the brewery. They then moved the brewery to the North Spring Brewery in 1863 and sunk their deep well, which is where they're still getting their source of water from, in 1894. 
1994 good beer guy. Now, this is interesting because that's when we really were starting to first drink man law, wasn't it? But in 1994, the good beer guide said, long regarded as king, but is the crown slipping? Still hoppy, but the fruit notes are now engulfed in bitterness. Lemon can still be detected in the nose, but the flowers seem to have gone. Remains a fine beer. And that's something that I remember we used to say. Oh, it's so flowery, isn't flowery. it? It's yeah, so... It yeah. And yet they say... were reckoning, when we were trying it in the 80s, it had been actually better than that. Yeah, before that. Before that. Uh, we've talked before about scaling up, you know, when breweries scale up, when they are brewing, you know, a fairly, whatever, consistent beer, um, and then they get those big contracts for the supermarket. We mentioned that, that you mentioned last week, Nick, Taylor's for a while were the doom bar, weren't they? Landlord mm. was the doom bar of the, I don't Anywhere know. Anywhere around the world. 90s, the, probably. You could, like you say, yeah, yeah. you get, get a pile of landlord in Dubai. Um, yeah. And you do wonder with that scaling up, you know, having to make lots and lots of beer. Uh, but you know, you know I'm, I'm, I think what brewers what what they often say is it's a time you don't you don't give him you're not giving beer time to condition because you've got to get out of the brewery because you've got to get get another one through the system. So maybe that's uh, uh, it's a quality control. You yeah. can't have somebody physically tasting and checking it when you're brewing it in some massive great quantities. And even right. down to your raw material, how the hell can you keep an eye on you know fifteen thousand tons of grain compared to mm. when you're doing a lot smaller brew when you can physically see the grain being ticked in. Once it's all automated, yeah, I know they will They will say that they have all these checks in place and it's all being monitored and it's all sensed and all stuff like that. But that's the difference between artesian product yeah. and a mass-produced product. And, and, of course, that's the, that's the lager. I mean, the lager, you know, technically lager is, is held, is kept for, for a while. Lagering is where you store a beer for a, a time to condition it, which is why, again, often if you go to Europe, you, you know, Germany especially, lager tastes fantastic, whereas here... We just get that very quickly mass-produced fizzy stuff that you know probably spends two or three days in the brewery and, and is shipped out. Whereas a decent lager brewer and some of the you know those craft brewers that are doing it now, you are you are putting a, you're laying your beer down for up to a year. I mean, some of those Thorbridge beers you mentioned that they, they lay them down for over a year and let them slowly mature and condition, and then you drink it. Um, which is interesting. Go on then, Matt, next one. Well, that, that, that said, they still, they still owe the accolade that they've won the Champion Beer of Britain five times. Landlord, yeah. And I mentioned we, a couple of weeks ago we that... Can't, we can't take that off them. Lots of brewers would still say, lots of brewer, you know, people who brew would say, best, best, best you know, best bitter landlord can't beat it. Yeah. So, next one, you can't beat them, join them. Tetley bitter Tetley. men. Yes, yes, Tetley. Yeah, well done. Okay, and also... A man can get attached to his tetleys. Yeah, join so, them. That was quite a good one, wasn't it? That was quite a that bitter men thing was that was a TV advert, wasn't it? That was on a lot yeah. of TV adverts and things. Oh. And then the huntsman, though, is a, a quite a strange symbol, isn't it, for a brewery? Mm-hmm. A Yorkshire brewery, especially. I know we have fox hunts in Yorkshire, but it, you probably think of it more of a kind of southern, slightly posher thing than working And, and confusing. There's actually another brewery uses almost an identical That's logo right. as well. Because often when I'm looking for the brewery, Huntley's. Huntley's. Have they used that? No, it could be Huntsman Huntsman. Brewery, Uh, and very very similar. And they they're not a new brew; they go back quite a bit. So Mm. when I'm looking for brewery brewery area mania, then you sometimes got to be careful because obviously I I naturally uh, migrate towards Yorkshire breweries. But um, yeah, there is a hang on. That's not a technical symbol. It's the whichever brewery it is. Uh, But very simple. Very striking. Red has always been tatty's colour. 
even the big neon lights on top of the Tetley Brewery uh, that I think they've still kept on the, the Tetley. Um, but yeah, simple ad campaign, but very, very effective. Simple sharp uh, slogan is something that people can repeat and so, so pass on. I've got the Elridge Popnik, Dorchester, the Huntsman Ales. Elridge right, they're Pope. using the Huntsman. That's right. yeah, that, they, that could it. be, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And obviously Tetley's was what, you know, when we weren't drinking other real ale, Tetley's really was what we were drinking in Malton, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but they didn't I... move... They moved from the red to the blue as well. I if I show you that image there, it is like you say. It's a very that's, it's it's remarkable in that the hand position is almost the same. They've even yeah. got the bloody monicle that yeah. the Tetley Huntsman. And it, it weird how how close that is. The black collar on the hunting jacket. It's yeah. amazing how how yeah interesting. I mean, yeah. Maybe something to look I don't I don't think I don't think there is a connection there. No, I don't think you're probably right. Or like Sam Smith, who who who. who uh, Painted or, or, or copyright the, the, the White Rose of Yorkshire. Obviously, Tetley's didn't copyright that, or yeah, Eldridge yeah. Pope did copyright the, the Huntsman yeah, logo, so yeah. they, they both used it. Um, but no, I seem to remember they, they moved towards a, a blue background and blue ashtrays and blue for some reason. That that was late 1980s, possibly, but that's that's how, how I always see Tetley. Yeah, Tetley Bitterman, uh, can't beat them, you join them. Right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we're not, well, we are theoretically in, in, in Yorkshire, but we're sort of heading over towards our neighbours in Lancashire. Drive out the northern thirst. Not or not brood in the Pennines. Webster's. Webster's, yes. Webster's, yeah, correct. Well done. And there's the... There we are. Freddie yeah. Truman. Freddie Truman, yeah. <laughs> hey, who, who, have you ever seen um, Indoor League? Yes, it's <laughs> Which you still get on some some obscure channel. Indoor League was the thing that Freddie Truman was the host, and it was basically pub games, and it was literally <laughs> blokes with great flagons of bloody Pennine bitter playing basketballs, and 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 Fred slowly smoking his pipe and talking about a great game. Uh, yeah. Check out on YouTube, Indoor League, fantastic, lots yeah. of drinking. <laughs> yeah. So drives out the north of the first. I thought is that is that a cricketing book? Freddie was always he was a he was a bowler, wasn't he? He wasn't a batsman. Bowler, yeah. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't driving a, a shot to the yeah. boundary. Yeah. Um, but so once again, yes, sadly Webster's no more. Uh, you know what? That used to be a, it used to be a cracking beer. Obviously, when I worked in the railway railway men's club, that they had that on amp pump, and I probably pulled it a bit like Tetley, so you should quite like it. But it used to be now, a really good beer. Now hang on. You're saying that. Do you want to wear the uh, 1990 Good Beer Guide right up of um, Webster's Yacht Editor? Weak flavour, reminiscent of a poor quality homebrew, warty, bland, cloying, with a dirty finish on the tongue. Nah. And that was in the Good Beer Guide. No, nah, I don't so. get that. That's a beardy weirdies. I remember when I pulled it, it was a cracking pint in the, in the, in the, in the Norton Railway Institute Club. It was a bloody cracking pint. Well, once again, the, the brewery was, was founded at uh, the Fountainhead Brewery in Halifax. And the spring from which the brewery drew its water was rich in magnesium sulfate, which added to the bitterness to the beer and provided it the dry finish. Uh, the brew was taken over by Watney Man well, in 1972, yeah, so we all know about Watney's. Yeah. Uh, they actually came up with the slogan, Drives Out the Northern Thirst. Uh, brewery was closed in 1996. Uh, brewing transferred to the John Smith Brewing Tagcaster before moving to the Thomas Hardy Brewery in Burtonwood in 2004. The brand disappeared from sale 
around yeah. about 2015. That's quite late, actually. That's later than I thought it was, actually. Yeah, yeah. me too. I've never been yeah. quite awful beer. I must have a unicat. I think it's been bloody awful stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I just wasn't pulled right, Bruce. Right. <laughs> but I've I never, I've never remember of one now. I'm pulled in the railway club. It was yeah, they did. Club. Yeah, it was they all did. electric. All oh, right. They only had one. Yeah, they had that. They had that ace. Um, Shelly, Shelly, the uh, the whatever it was, the barman just tell me off because I used to waste so much beer. you know, pulling it bloody nice. <laughs> no, it was Shelly. Was his dog? Oh, Shelly. Sorry, Mick. Uh, what was his name? So that's right, Shelly. Shelly yeah. dog. Can't remember his name now. Anyway, no, his character. The, the, the good old days. Right. So the next one, bit of a newer brewery, powered by beer. Very simple. Very strong logo. Powered by beer. Any ideas? No. They're, they're probably the, the, the best known beer is called Mary Jane. That must give the clue. Oh, Ilkley. Ilkley. Yeah. Ah. Ilkley Brewery, so, powered by beer. Powered by beer. And once again, going, going to the point that it is International Women's Day or week, uh, their head brewery is actually a lady called Ali, and she's an Italian uh, from Italian um, descendancy. Via Scotland, I read upon her, and she's the driving force behind Ilkley Brewery. So, uh, relatively new brewery as in its original state now. Ilkley actually first had a brewery in 1873 that was bought out by Bass and stopped brewing in 1920. Uh, so, the current Ilkley Brewery was created in 2009. And as I say, they have about 10 core beers, of which Mary Jane and Joshua Jane are two of the well-known ones after the Ilkley Moor by Tat song. Uh, there has been a quarter in Mary Jane and Joshua Jane was her husband. So that's where we get the uh, Joshua Jane and I Mary think, Jane uh, from. I think, Nick, last time we drank that was in Bar Tat in Ilkley itself. I'm having a bite of Mary Jane. But I, I think, actually, I quite those beers, are, to me, are very Yorkshire. They're, we mentioned, last, you know, when, when you got a really good pint of Tatleys, it reminds me, that Mary Jane reminds me a bit of... Uh, Osset, same a little bit. Osset beers remind me of those kind of days, and maybe like you said, uh, you know, Taylors in the old days. There's that slight sweetness, that yeah. smoothness, that creaminess that you get from that tight with a sparkler quite tight. So you get that kind of cream flow, don't mm. you? Without it being bloody full of carbon dioxide or nitrogen or whatever they put in these cakes. I mean, the the image of the mill there, you could almost say it's a bit like Jerusalem, dark satanic mm. mill, but it. It works so well, and I mean, the, the, I think their the, the bottle uh, labels are quite simple as well. But yeah. once again, mm. you know, an effective slogan or a logo can be something that's very simple yeah, yeah, and yeah. very easy to spot as well. You mm. know, if I look through the window of a pub that I've never been in before, I like to think I can spot their pump tips quite easily and say, right, it's a pub that's worth going into because once again, I've always found their beer to be consistent. You know, uh, they sort of concentrate on what they do and do it well. Yeah. And uh, you can always find a decent pint of Ilkley Brewery beer. But again, right. I guess yeah. And again, I guess again back to scale. They're brewing not huge amounts of beer. They're consistent. They're brewing enough for local trade. You don't you don't tend to you find the beers in sometimes supermarkets. Morrison's people like that probably have their beers up here. Um, yeah. yeah, we get them probably down here, but not not mental. You know, huge amounts of, of brewing. So. I guess, as you said, Nick, quality control. You you can keep, you can make sure you're a uh, decent sized brewery that's producing, you know, consistently. Ale Alexandra's doing a good job. Yeah, she's doing yeah. a good job. Right, the next one we are moving across the county. You'll know this one. It's a bit gorgeous. 
or the cream of Manchester. Boddington's. <laughs> Boddington's, yeah. Put Melanie Sykes on her Melanie own Sykes, yeah. road to fame or fortune. Another another beer that has lost its, uh, well, beer that's gone, hasn't it? I don't think it's brewed anymore, is it? Uh, it, it is, yeah, but once again, Strange Ways Brewery founded in 1778 by two grain merchants. Interesting this, that they reckoned in those days, of all places, Manchester Grammar School had the uh, monopoly on grain. And so to avoid paying tax on it, they established a brewery just outside of the city limits. Um, it was established on the eve of the Industrial Revolution, and therefore, once the revolution uh, hit, migration of people into the towns and cities, uh, in the mills and the factories, uh, massive, um, massive market for beer. And it was known as a cream of Manchester. It was an easy drinking beer. Once again, um, during the year of Melanie Sykes, these are the adverts that I remember the most. A full range of banners. This one, unfortunately, has cropped off a bit, but this shows an ice cream cone with a cream on the top of it. Very, very clever marketing, all the different imagery of cream and things like that. And it was, as far as I can remember, it was a soft, slightly, slightly sweet mm -hmm. drink. Very easy to drink. Quite light coloured for a bitter as well. Um, but then, yeah, um, the brewery's closed down. It was bought out. It moved down to Burton. And it was an absolute shadow of its former self. Mm. Really was. Um, so what's it say? Yeah, close the brewery in 2005. In fact, you know, you get these pubs of community interest now, whereby if they're getting quick enough, then they can get the authority to stop yeah. the pub being closed yeah. down. Yeah. There was a campaign for about three years in Manchester. A lot of local people campaigned to stop the brewery from being closed. And it did have a stay of execution for three years, but eventually, yeah, 2005, it was closed yeah. down. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that's Boddington's, I say. You know, whenever we were over in Lancashire, certainly you could find the Boddington's. And I don't know if you can see in the little bottom corner there, Bruce, that little bottle of uh, little bodies. Nice. Is that yeah. That, that, that was what you left in your house when I acquired it, Bruce. Okay. I, I was going to actually crack that bottle open tonight. And in fact, I might still do, actually, while you guys are thinking about next one. 20 years Be Yeah, because it, it's best before 1989. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to let you think about this next one. I'm going to rush upstairs, grab that little bottle of baby bodies, and I'm going to crack it open. Let's well, see what it looks like. I'm going to go to the loo like, as well, because this alcohol-free beer is going straight through me. <laughs> right. So the next one to think about. Mm -hmm. If that's, not, if that's not, I'll still sealed up, it may be valuable, that, Nick, you know. It's all right, Bruce. You left me about three or four of them there. Okay. Right, this one for you, Bruce. You should get this one because this place is your second home. Uh, the first slogan I didn't remember as much as the other one, but the first slogan is The Other Side of Dark. The Other Side of Dark? I don't know. Shall I give you the easier one? Yes. It was a song by Chesney Hawks. Uh, I am... The one and only. I'm still no wiser. The one and only, Bruce. Mike's back. Which one? Right, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Come on, move on, let's crack on. Right, so I've, I've given Bruce the two clues. The yeah. other side of dark, which is a harder one, or the one that you should get, the one and only. Newcastle Brune. Oh, Newcastle yeah. Brown Ale. Brune Ale. Yeah, the one and only, yeah. I've, right. never heard, I've never heard it called the other side of, the other side of dark. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So launched in 1927 by a Colonel Jim Porter, who worked for Newcastle Breweries. 
and he spent three years developing it. Uh, 1960s, Newcastle Brewers merged with Scottish Brewers, and that afforded them they could promote it nationally. Uh, up until uh, the 1970s, when really it reached its peak in the UK. By the late 1990s, the beer was most widely distributed alcoholic product in the UK, so uh, you could find it all over. Uh, and nowadays, though, its biggest sale is in the US. And this is something that I've noticed on cruise boats. You go on your cruise boat and you go up to the bar and see if you've got any proper beer, mate. They always offer you lager, or occasionally they will have Newcastle Brown. And it's actually brewed in it. They actually, I think they brew it in, in the US now. There's actually a yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So Heineken Move Brewing, this is the irony. You mentioned it three or four weeks back, Bruce, mm. that uh, they actually don't brew it in Newcastle anymore. Tadcaster now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, no, they moved to Tadcaster in 2010. Uh, they've got a brewery in the Netherlands and they also brew it in the States. They're like Gunintas Brewery Company. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, they reckon they still sell 100 million bottles of it a year mm. uh, in this country. It was always one of those before you got a lot of different beer in bottles. I think it was the one that we used to fall back on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. You know, if you were going anywhere, you always have... I, I, I quite like it. It's, again, it's quite sweet, quite malty. Um you're Again. Right. We, we uh, tried a bottle, first bottle in, in oh, years last year, and you'd forgotten what a great beer it is. It's got a fantastic yeah. taste. And if you well, cook, if you cook your took, beer, it streets ahead of anything else. Yeah. yeah. Took them three years, took, took, took the Colonel three years to develop it. So, yeah, he put his and I think we mentioned that, uh, I think in McQueen's got, we mentioned that there's a couple of Newcastle breweries that are kind of brewing a very similar, um, you know, traditional uh, brown ale style. Uh, which seems well, and of course they all call it dog, don't they? A lot of people call it dog yeah, in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bottle yeah. of dog, which apparently is where uh, I'm. Uh, I'm going to see a man about a dog, which which our dad always used to say. Nick, do you remember when we were kids? Because obviously we spent some time in the northeast. And uh, where are you going, Dad? I'm going to see a man about a dog, which was the euphemism. I'm going to the pub to drink a bottle. So that's why I got. Well, was it, was it the pub? Was it the toilet? No, no, no I'm not seeing a man about a dog. Was going to the pub, and you went, and that's why you had a bottle of dog. A great urban myth as well, wasn't it? That there was actually a ward in like the uh, Newcastle uh, Victorian Infirmary that was just dedicated to people who drank too much Newcastle Brown Nail <laughs> who were recovering from it, receiving treatment. And, you know, a lot of people really believe that. You know, there's Newcastle Brown Nail recovery. Be good if they had the intravenous bags up with it in Brooks, yeah. <laughs> straight into the veins. Uh, like. Of course, the Blue Star's got the five points, and the five points were the five Newcastle breweries, weren't they? Because uh, the, the, uh, it was like oh, an, right. a, okay. a federation of breweries, yeah, and is. of course there is now there is a five points brewery now, but actually it's in Hackney, which is interesting. So five points is quite an up and coming I, craft. I know when I was working in a bar and they brought in the new technology of uh, bottles that had to be kept in the fridge, changing colours. I know the Blue Star, if it was at the right temperature, turned white, yeah. and as then their bottle yeah. got warm, it turned back to blue. Oh, right. again, so. Right. I used to have one then, guy that used to come and always used to drink that. And the first thing he used to do as, to add, as I post in the bottle in a half pint glass was turn the label on straight away and say, hey, this star ain't white. It's not cold enough. And yeah, uh, yeah so well, I, the other I thing, that. The other thing used to be, well, not quite me on the, on the Tuxedo Princess, which was the cruise boat under the tide, but, but we used Very. to go there. It was always uh, two bottles of dog, pint or schooner. Maybe you weren't, if you pint or schooner. And a schooner yeah. is that glass that Nick's got on the screen yeah. there. It's basically a half pint yeah. glass. And the yeah. idea was that you top, you kept your head on your beer because obviously it was, again, you very rarely saw it in draft. It was nearly always in bottles. 
Um, and you top, you kept topping the head of your of your beer up by having your half pint glass with a pint bottle. So, well, I think so. I, I think you've said this before, Bruce. I don't I don't think it ever. Wait, it, it's one of those of a miss that it never was served on draft. It was no, always a bottled product. No, but fully enough, um, last we have seen it up there now. It's um, there was an article in the Evening Chronicle as well. We recently started producing a small quantity. It was about twelve pubs around uh, mm. Tyneside. Um, I, don't know, I didn't go because I had Ben with me, but I did see one with a blackboard outside. So they're brewing it in tiny quantities uh, in drafts in, in certain pubs. So I'd like quite right. like to try that. Interesting about well, the exhibition, of course, because the exhibition was the famous keg beer at the sister yeah. here in Newcastle Brown Ale. And as keg beers went, it was far and away the nicest keg beer you could drink out of that exhibition. Mm. Uh, well, I was going to bring another beer in here because, again, one thing that you maybe... Nick- While you guys are talking, I'm off for that bodies. All right. Um, because I was going to talk a little bit about the tanker beers. Um, that again, Clubland, obviously, the north is famous yeah. for the working men's clubs, and because they shifted so much beer, um, it didn't come in barrels, it came in tankers. And, and the pub would literally have kind of a huge, great holding vessel kind of out the back, and, and literally, you'd get a tank full of beer on a Friday to kind of feel Friday and Saturday nights. And the one I remember, let me sing you this song, Nick. I'm a union man. Federation and football fan. Straight yeah. after the match, it's straight down the hatch, and this is what he put his headphones in now. So I'm going to sing you a song, Nick. You, you'll get the beer. I'm a, I'm a union man, football and federation fan. Ah, but right, union after, man. right after the match, it's straight down the hatch. I was just talking to Bruce about obviously yeah. the big working men's clubs, especially the northeast, but throughout the kind of north, uh, didn't have barrels of beer. They had tankers full of beer, and yeah. they actually had kind of tankered yeah. beer. And Federation was one of those beers, a bit like the, the exhibition that Bruce mentioned there, that yeah. came in bloody tankers, not barrels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's where that that I guess that I guess Watley's were the same double diamond. They shifted so much beer on a, on a weekend that it literally came in tankers, and I think that that's thankfully kind of <laughs> gone. But uh, yeah, and and therefore the capacity of that those beers being pumped out, amazing. I was talking well, I thought, to the, the other I, day about the other miners' welfare clubs in the mining villages. They were literally like monopolies. There were no pubs yeah. in those, but just like the miners' welfare. And they were saying that, um, you know, they'd be up, packed a Friday night, have turns on Friday night, Saturday, Sunday night, and Saturday lunchtime. And Sunday lunch was enormous. And he says there'd be queues of hordes of people waiting outside to get in at 12 o'clock because those days were allowed yeah. to there. Yeah. And the staff would have been there since quarter past 11, pulling about um, three quarters of a pint. Yeah. Just have hundreds of pints <laughs> lined up on the bar. So when the doors open, People right. were getting three or four at a time, and they just top them all up and said it was an incredible yeah. sight. Yeah. And of course, some of that though, again, was we talked about the other week. Some of that was the license, licensing laws, which again is yeah, a throwback to the First World War, isn't it? Where yeah. and it's been like Australia had completely opposite effect. That what it meant was because the pub, the club was only open 12 till 2 on a Sunday, yeah. you went bonkers, you drank six, yeah, yeah. 16 pints in two hours. <laughs> Rather yeah. than spacing yourself out, um, you know, yeah. and I, I remember being in Australia, the same thing there, where they have they had even weirder hours in Australia, where literally pubs shut at six thirty. So you yeah. had this kind of, I know my lad, my mates Australia say their dads, you know, we used to literally straight off from work, five an hour and a half in the pub, whacking them down, and then stagger home, bonkers. Right, Nick, we need to push on because I'm just conscious of time. Yeah. We're getting very- all right, guys. Well, well, we'll we'll skip over the next one. The next one was it's it's they're closing the question. It's Youngers. get younger every day. Yeah. Obviously, we've not got much uh, experience with the Younger's Ales, other Tartan. than once again. Yeah, uh, mm. it was Younger's and McEwen's, owned by Newcastle Breweries, Scottish Newcastle, blah, 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 blah. 
now it's one of the brands owned by Heineken. Mm. Remember the little guy there? Yeah, Old yeah. father, hey, father yeah. William. He was quite iconic. Everybody remembers him. Uh, going down to Midlands for the next one. Do you remember Put a Tiger in Your Tankard? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was, this is the, 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 the connection with, with Leicester, with the uh, Royal Leg- uh, Leicester Regiment. Um, they earned um, the, the emblem of the Tiger because they served in India for a, long of, a, lot, a lot of years. Yeah. So the Tiger was adopted as uh, the symbol on their cap badge. And then Everard's Brewery adopted that. Um, for their Tiger beer. Once again, the Tiger beer has only uh, been in existence since 1972. Um, so, I mean, the brewery itself was established in 1849, but they only actually started brewing their Tiger Copper Ale from 1972 onwards. But once again, it's the beer I remember when we first started yeah. going on our beer trips, heading down Nottingham Way and things like mm. that, Midlands. Uh, I do remember the Tiger and once again, I've and got obviously, a couple of... yeah, you've got Leicester Tigers Rugby Club, which that's that I, I imagine that's a name again, Leicester Regiment, Leicester Tigers. Yes. Um, yeah. Now I don't know. I I've got a feeling there's something going on here because Everard's and Titanic, which is my local brewery down here, which is a great brewery. They for a while, some of their early pubs were a joint venture between Titanic and Everard. So the pub that you've been in with me, Nick and the Graham, they had half the half the beer was Titanic and half the beer was Everard's, but the Everard's bit seems to have slipped away. I, I don't know whether they're uh, getting Well, well beer news for you, which I was going to mention, but I didn't want to give this away. They are on the verge of opening a brand new brewery yeah, right. called Everard's Meadow, which yeah. is just off the M1. And as well as having a new brewery, state of the art, they've got 6,000 square foot beer hall and a shop. So if you go on their website, their website is also very, very slick, looks very impressive. Whether because of COVID, they've not updated, but they are still talking about it opening spring 2021. So whether they had sort of like... A rebrand or something or... or Well, eased up on, because I I was led to believe that they'd stopped brewing and they were concentrating just on the pubs. Pub trade, yeah. And maybe that's why this connection with with Titanic came in, Mm. in that Titanic were brewing for them. But as I say, this new brewery, um, this new state-of-the-art facility is looking very, very interesting, very, very exciting. So... Next time I come down to you, when lockdown is all over, June, July types, maybe having a yeah, uh, worth having a little, little, yep. little trundle down there. Yep. So the next one, um, well, what can we say? We won't <laughs> say much about it. Once again, really, it was before our time, I think, chaps, wasn't it? DD, rock with his red barrel. No, I think I can, remember, I can remember Dab Double Diamond. Late 70s. Yeah. Oh, he was still around. I still remember the, 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 the plastic boxes on the bar, but in terms yeah. of us drinking it, and being subjected to it and being abused by it, I think it was just after we started drinking, just before we started drinking, really. And I think, you know, going back, we mentioned Cameron 50 years on, I think this, you know, this was one of the key beers for them, wasn't it? It was a very bland, sweet, weak beer that, again, I think one of the first things that Cameron did was try to find out the ABV of these beers because brewers didn't even put the ABV uh, on their, uh, on any of the the labelling or anything. And I think I've said before, I read some of the earliest about Cameron, you know, they, some of these guys were chemists and would take in, secretly take kits in and, and look at some of these beers. And they were like, they were like 2%, you know, Double Diamond was like 2%. Um, it was, I think technically it was supposed to be 3% or something like that. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, the, the, the slogans for those people who aren't watching on YouTube, you know where you are with a Double Diamond. And I'm putting brackets in a crap pub. Uh, a Double Diamond works wonders. And... 
I'm only here for the beer. So you must have led a very I, sad life I, if the only reason why you quit the pub was drinking. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, though, again, like we want in his red, picks up this and, and starts brewing yeah. double diamond again, you know, and yeah. uses that nostalgia and, you know, uh, yeah, interesting. I think Double Diamond's quite fondly remembered as opposed to Watney Dread Barrow, which everybody universally detested, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Next one, we're moving down south to the Big Smoke, uh, mid of London. Fullers. Fullers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fullers. Iconic. I mean, I, I love Fullers branding. I think it's very traditional. It's very regal. Uh, certainly their pubs where you see their beer signs, the pub signs, they've got the, the gold griffin over the top of it. In fact, the last time I was in Bath, I was walking down the street, not specific looking for a pub, but looked down a little side lane, down a little giddle, and I saw the silhouette. And I says to our lass, there's a Fuller's pub down there. Went down, it was a Crystal Palace, cracking pub. They'll be doing well in April because they've got a lovely back courtyard, beer garden area. But it's so iconic that's that that the, the griffin the golden griffin and i say certainly in london you can see the pub signs sticking out when you're in a busy street um once again in the world of brewery and mania um they afford quite a price i was looking at one of those brackets on uh, a well-known um online auction site about a month ago it got up to 500 quid and i stopped looking at it i was amazed that a pub sign bracket was worth that sort of money um, but yes, they have changed the logo and the branding a little bit in the last couple of years. Don't know that I like it as much there. I think that pump clip that you can see on screen there on that pint glass is the iconic London pride. Uh, even the font, I think is just, it's iconic and, and everything about it. So yeah, Fuller's. Um, I'm, just, uh, I'm just looking again on eBay here. There's a double diamond beer pump here. It's top the Guinness. It's 255 quid for one of those old plastic, just just the, just the beer, you know, the light box wow. thing that you put on the bar. So yeah. as you said, Nick, there's some money in some of this, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Right, next hey. one. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go into a bit of controversy now for various different reasons. Uh, I'm sure our next candidates, our next three or four ones, wouldn't get past the ASA now, the Advertising Standards Agency. But one of the best campaigns that I remember and one of the funniest if you want to click straight on to the next one Mike it was the Bottle of Britain Shepherd Neem Spitfire now Shepherd Neem obviously one of the oldest breweries in the country but they did this series of uh, adverts uh, around the theme of the Bottle of Britain so the couple that we've got on the screen there which I have as, as bar runners they're the less controversial ones we've got Mr Churchill sticking his Classic victory sign up asking for two more pints, please. And then the one underneath is we've got a lady sat in an armchair looking at the clock. The clock says 20 past 11, and it's just got two words, Victoria Cross. Excellent. So obviously Victoria's Cross that he hasn't come back from the pub. Bit more controversial. They also did Goring, Goring, Gone. <laughs> no fucker comes close. Downed Oliver Kent just like the Luftwaffe. And clear skies since 1945. Now these adverts did go out, but in fact, it got to the point where London Underground withdrew the advertising because they said German tourists were complaining. Yeah. Uh, it was all very much tongue-in-cheek. And in fact, I even think they made they made some beach towels that there was one that said something like, you can have the sunbeds because we're going to the bar. And they were actually encouraging people to buy these beach towels and take them on holidays with them for... Obviously, the, the, the ongoing um, 
situation with with fights over the, the, the sunbeds. But out of the, any advertising campaign that I can remember, I think that's got to be one of the, the, the most funniest and, and, and cleverest, really. Um, and All if right. you can get if you can get the full set of beer mats, it's it's quite a collector's item to, to, to get. Again, it, it's a bit far again. One of those beers that again probably eight. Seven eight years ago was everywhere, and again, I mm. think I'd be quite hard to find Spitfire. I mean, it's still there, isn't it? But I wonder whether it's definitely yeah, hasn't it? That pops a bit a pound a bottle. Uh, yeah, know. but you know, I wonder whether that was maybe that's been a bit of a backlash that they've had to kind of tone down this a little bit. Um, you should have yeah. been neither a lot of the in how or were a lot of the yeah they do yeah work they yeah a lot of supermarket beers and it's the Shepherd name not Britain's oldest breweries, you know. It's it's one of them, yes, yeah. I, I I said it was, but then it's it's like it's like the Guinness symbol. The hub, other breweries are laying claim to it Maybe as well. It's, claim, it's, yeah. it's were they continuously brewing? Was it all on one site? Blah de blah de blah de blah. But I think they claim to be the UK's oldest brewery. But it's it's what do you actually deem to be? Is it continually brewing? Is it from the same site? Is it the name or whatever else? But yeah, uh, yeah. Bottle beers wise, it always used to be in my top three. It's never slipped now. Now that there's a lot more independent brewers uh, there. 125 in Tesco's at the moment, Spitfire. <laughs> like you say, yeah. very cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Actually, I'm looking at it quite new. It was only, only, only um, it was only Inception was in 1990. So quite, quite new, really. And then got really big very quickly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, once again, we're caught in controversy. Once again, the ASA probably wouldn't allow these next two, making claims that stuff is good for you. So we've got Mackison. It was Taste good. The good <laughs> Taste the goodness, and it looks good. It tastes good, and by golly, it does you good. Um, I think they would have to have a whole row of um, medical professionals to, uh, to to support and back them up on that. Uh, you could say anything that contains calories and and, and sugar um, to a certain extent could do you good. But I know this is something that Guinness got into trouble with. Guinness always made claims that it was good for you and it gave you strength. In fact. It didn't, uh, medicinally wise. It wasn't good for you. But so that was the first, and that was Mackison. Nothing much to say about Mackison, really, unless other than once again, it was one of those bottle beers that if you had no other option, I seem to recall a couple of times having to go on a Mackison because I didn't want the lager that was on the bar and there was no beer available. Um, but it wasn't really a stout. It was a milk stout. It was a milk stout. Milk stout. That's right. Yeah. And in fact, I've got some information on that. Do you know what milk stout is? It's made of lactose, isn't it? It's a, it which is, is from yeah. sugar. It's like a milk, yeah. And which, which actually a lot of brewers now are using lactose uh, a lot more in brew, especially darker beers. It's often but you yeast, the yeast can't ingest lactose. Yeah, so that's why, that's so why it's quite of, sweet. Instead of eating the sugar and turn it to alcohol, it remains. And that's yeah. why, yeah, your maximum tends to be a, a bit sweeter. Uh, the brand is now owned by Anhauser Bush. And you can still find it out there. You can get £3. four 60, cans. £3.60 in Tesco's. £3.66, yeah. Four yeah. cans of 330 yeah. milliliter. Yeah. yeah. But there is a stronger version of Mackison. Mackison XXX, 4.9%. And that's very popular in the Caribbean. And in fact, it's branded as the king of the night. And oh. it's brewed and licensed by the Carib Brewery in about three different breweries on some of the different Caribbean islands there. So they, they enjoy that. And that reminded me of a story. A, a lad I used to know who was a drayman for, um, I think he was a drayman for Cameron's. And he used to deliver to a, a like a club in Leeds. And he said he could never understand. He says their biggest biggest demand was for bottles of Lucasade and uh, bottles of Guinness. 
And he said, we used to deliver there about half past two in the afternoon. He said, we always used to go to the back door, so we never used to know what was going on in the bar, he said. But he said the whole spot was in absolute uproar. And one day he said to the, the, the last behind the bar, he, he said, why is Guinness and Lucas here so popular? And she said, oh, she said, uh, we've got a big Afro-Caribbean uh, following. Um, and he said, you know, they come and drink in the day. They don't tend to come out on the night, but they come and drink during the afternoon. And their favourite drink is a cocktail of a bottle of Guinness and a bottle of Lucasade, and they call it jungle I did, juice. I had, I had a little period of drinking it. It's absolutely delicious. <laughs> Another little glass bottles of Lucasade, but yeah, it is absolutely delicious. Yeah. So it's it, it's a Mackison shandy or a Guinness shandy made out of Lucasade, and, and and he said he said the whole spot was like jumping at half past two in the afternoon. You know, <laughs> uh, couldn't believe it, and he said they got through crates and crates and crates of Guinness and Lucasade. Yeah, so. <laughs> Mackinson's only actually two point eight percent. It was initially three yeah. percent, and it's, so it's quite a weaky beer. And I, that's why probably I was was drinking it because I think the old man used to get me that when I was about fourteen, fifteen, hoping that he put me up. And he, he drank that at college, and I, yeah. one of the, there were those little bottles, were those little whatever they were, two fifty bottles that you got like a what these call them? Um, oh, what these call them? Little bottles you get in the crates. Uh, that's funny. Uh, well, they were mixed. They call them mixtures, uh, didn't they? But that was uh, more Newtonic CLMAs and stuff like yeah. that. Splits, splits. You call splits. Splits. Yeah. Yeah. splits. yeah. Right. Guinness. We've done so, Guinness. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, Guinness is good. Yeah, it's good for you. Guinness good for you against the strength. Uh, not really, but anyway. Well, my so. mother. My mother always says that when she was uh, in maternity ward for me, they got a bottle of Guinness every day. Uh, yeah. On maternity <laughs> ward in nineteen sixties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's when the advertising was working. Well, and in fact, there wasn't an advertising stand standards agency. Full of iron, aren't they? Full of a like, lot of iron. In no, it's it's a myth. No, it's a myth. Oh, I don't it's not. It's, 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 it's no, it's no more stronger than iron than any other alcoholic beverage. But that was a clever advertising, right? As you so, know, I grew up on racing stables, and twice a week, race horses used to get brand mash for the tea. Uh, instead of getting mixed with corn and nuts and things, and uh, you know, the, the, we call it chop with mixed grass things, uh, they used to have a big bathtub of uh, bran mash. And this, um, in our house, we used to have cases of bottled Guinness because so the step lads didn't nick it. And my dad would come back and they'd get half a dozen bottles of Guinness, they'd pour it in with the bran mash, so even the house were drinking it. Such was the sort of you know, validity of that claim that it was good for you, really. Mm. That's mm. of the horse's joints and bones. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So the next one we've moved on to the gold label, barley wine. It's quite an iconic drink, uh, made by tenants of Sheffield. So unfortunately, tenants were closed down many, many years ago. Now, the claim on the beer mat there, guys, that if anybody who isn't looking at the YouTube, the statement on the beer mat is strong as a double scotch, less than half the price. <laughs> I don't know that you'd actually get away with selling a product now, by <laughs> claiming something like that. So basically what they said is don't buy yourself a double scotch, buy yourself a bottle of gold label and get pissed on it instead. It was disgusting as well, wasn't it? <laughs> well, if you, if you remember, Bruce, it was the only beer at seven and a half percent. I think we used to buy it. Yeah. No, it was it's beer. ten point six percent originally. Right. We we could buy it in the spa when we were about thirteen or fourteen, going to Rillington discos. Uh, you could go into the spa and buy it. Because you'd always say it's for your granddad, isn't it? Because no, no young person would be drinking. Because it was like treacle. It was like alcoholic treacle, wasn't it? And I remember us trying to pose, being very kind of sophisticated fourteen-year-olds, sipping our uh, gold label. And I guess when you breathed on somebody after that, he must it smelled like <laughs> smelled like the brew, the dregs of a brewery. Uh, yeah, and before well, the good news. The good news is you can still get it. I don't know where yeah, you're going, Mike, yeah. but I, I found 24 cans, three, three 30 millilitres on Amazon, 35.99. Yeah. yeah. 
And so that would be a hell of, hell of a party. And, and it, it, again, it has come down to 7.5% 7, 7. now. Yeah, it's, it's another, 10, 6, but... it's another style of beer that, again, is out there. It's becoming, again, I wouldn't say it's popular, but, uh, again, quite a lot of breweries are looking at brewing a strong, dark um, beer, a, a, a barley wine, a, a traditional British barley wine style. Well, um, once again, going but... back sort of 20 years, when I first started reading and getting involved in camera, they used to basically say if a beer got up to an ABV of about 6%, you couldn't really call it a beer anymore. Mm. It was a barley wine. Mm. It was a wine. And yet now, you know, we've got beers even stronger than the 7.5% that it currently is at, you know, 8 9% that you see on bars and in craft, craft bars. And I mean, these like are, that. yeah, they are quite sherry-like almost. You get quite a lot of raisin, quite a lot of currant kind of, that kind of dark fruit uh, flavour. They are quite a, yeah, quite a kind of a... Know, See, it's, it's interesting. On, on one of the beer maps here, they, they describe it as a very strong special beer. Yeah. And yet on the other beer map, they describe it as a gold label barley <laughs> wine. Yeah, yeah. So wine beer. Yeah. That's a great so that was in picture, isn't it? I absolutely love that. Fancy for it. <laughs> yeah. Strong as a double scotch, less than after price. <laughs> right. Right. So we, we're talking controversy again. Uh, we've already spoken about Russell's actually tonight. And these are once again. I loved uh, being able to acquire these two. I call them change dishes. Now, a lot of people refer to them as ashtrays, but you notice there's no little groove for to take your cigarette. These were more common, in fact, uh, because like nowadays, when table service is a lot more common in pubs, you would be served at the table, you would then give your money over, and then the barmaid or whoever was serving you would bring the change back in the little dish there. So I refer to these as change dishes rather than uh, ashtrays. But for those that aren't watching, uh, the top dish portrays a little lad with his back teeth in a cartoon form. And he's, well, put it bluntly, he's, he's pissing in the river. Um, and the, the, the logo is never drink water, always drink Russell's beer. So that's the first one. And the one below shows an old boy sat up in bed with a bottle of beer in one hand and the glass in the other one. He's got quite an attractive young lady lying in bed next to him. She's asleep. And it just simply says, Russell's beer is best. Um, so once again, certainly the little boy relieving himself in the river. I don't know whether you'd get away with that nowadays. Um, but I I, I, uh, I like these in my collection. And, and say Russell's were bought by Melbourne Brewery. So we, we never had the opportunity to try Russell's beer, did we, guys? No, never. Same way that we never managed to have Chas Rose, because Chas Rose with the, Charles Rose with the other breweries in Moulton. Um, that we we never got a chance to try uh, to try Rose's beer, but uh, at their time they had a lot of pubs in the area, and I say they were the two big breweries in town. And the final one, Mike, even more controversial. Apologies to any of the ladies out there. Complete and utterly sexist. You know we have talked about International Ladies Day, but these were produced by a uh, manufacturer called Goldwell. Goldwell were making Snowball. Snowball is the bottled um, cocktail of Advocat and Lemonade. These date to about the 1970s. So the box Perry. Uh, no, Advocat. Baby Shams Perry. You're getting confused. Baby Shams yeah. Perry, Michael. Yeah. Snowball's yellow. Yeah. yeah. Baby Sham was was with the pear cider, and, and Snowball was the yeah the creamy yellow one that was basically watered down Advocat. Um, so these mats must have been targeted at women, surely to God, because it's a women's drink. Um, it's showing various cocktails, but you certainly wouldn't get away 
with those mats nowadays. And once again, oh, yeah. uh, apologies if they are offensive to anybody. Um, they are part of my beer mat collection. Um, and as I say, certainly I've only used them now to show how things have certainly moved on. And indeed, I think Camera two years ago, they made the decision as well. And they said, whilst it might be jokey and whilst it might be laddie to have beers called Dizzy Blonde and shut your mouth and all this sort of stuff, we're not going to accept it anymore. And certainly even I myself have, have, have realised in the last couple of years when I've been looking into the different breweries, you know, how uh, significant contribution ladies are making now and how many, in fact, Great Newsom uh, discovered uh, this week, looking back at their website to find out their latest news, they always do a, a staff member of the week and their assistant brewer um, is a lady. Sorry, I can't remember her name, um, but they're basically on the website that she does all the hard work. She develops the different beers. She does all the graft. Um, and I think it's, it's a fantastic thing because like during the war, you know, brewing has always been a male dominated area. And, and, and when women were first introduced into the armed services, a lot of the uh, old colonels and the old higher we don't want women on the battlefield. They don't know what they're doing. And in fact, in a short space of time, the, fem- the women prove themselves, certainly dexterity and the ability to be a lot more accurate with uh, equipment and dials and the technical side of things and a little bit more careful, prove themselves to be as capable, not more capable than a lot of the guys. And I sometimes think that in brewing, having tried to brew my own homebrew, you've got to be very careful. You've got to be very precise. And sometimes those guys will Ah, it's all right, it's clean, it's all right, just chuck a bit more in. I certainly think ladies have got the uh, the ability to just be a little bit more careful and a little bit more methodical. As you, they call it multitasking, don't they? And I think that's why some now, the, the, a lot of these independent breweries uh, are producing some very fine and consistent beers and, uh, yeah, uh, all, all to the good. Um, so that's, that's my branding. I'm sure that people who have been listening, they may have come up with their own brands, their own thoughts and their own slogans. And if you do have any, then, you know, please share them with us. And if I've got anything amongst my collection, then I will try and produce an image for next week. Uh, but I hope you've, uh, you've enjoyed that uh, little walk down memory lane. And I think you guys did pretty well. You got most of them. Surprised you didn't get the Newcastle Brown one, but uh, there we I are. Spent yeah, most of my time yeah. in pubs the last 50 years, haven't we? So it's I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna open this baby bottle of brown now that I reckon's got to be at least 20 years old. <laughs> I'm gonna open it next to my microphone to see if there's any actually any life in there. So hang on. No, sound sounding a bit flat. Let's yeah, try yeah. it in the glass. Will it be safe to drink? Yeah, it's alcohol, Bruce. Safer than water, isn't it? Uh, it's it, it's like a barley wine. Uh, there doesn't appear to there doesn't appear to be much cream there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> certainly not the cream of Manchester. No, it might be like the ruffles a little. I know the the little do. boy weaning into the. It's sort of clear. Thirty-one yeah, years old. Uh, it, it, yeah, it has got that barley wine winey smell to it. It's conditioned. Oh my god. It's a cross between wine grums and Weetabix. <laughs> right, well, well, Nick uh, tries to drown that 31-year-old bottle of beer. Uh, that'll, that's it for this evening. Uh, next week, we are going to uh, take some time around the fair city of York. 
Uh, I think, again, Bruce is, Bruce is going to be in charge next week. I think Bruce, you've got a real challenge there because, as we said a couple of weeks ago, York is a, a great city, first of all, but again, it's certainly a bit of a, a beer mecca, isn't it? And even uh, trying to narrow it down to two dozens are almost impossible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Leeds, Leeds was a challenge. York's probably even yeah. harder. So uh, look forward to that one. As always, you can get us on the usual podcast providers. And I said, this is probably a really good one if you want to do, do uh, check us out on YouTube because there's been quite a lot of visual. Well, we, it's basically Nick Seller. We actually we have seen Nick Seller because we've had a tour of all his, all his brewery mania that he's got down there. As well for a little bit of it, yeah. So we will say goodbye for this week. Uh, again, it's been another long one, I'm afraid. So again, you might want to listen to this in two or three instalments. Uh, and we're back next week uh, with a look at York. So cheers, gentlemen. Thank you very Bye. much. Bye. See you later. Cheers. Mm-hmm.